You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hi, Mickey. Hey, hey what you holding up the camera? That looks like a queen. Is that Queen Elizabeth? Yes, she passed away. Oh, wait. You know, honestly, uh, I didn't quite know that. I saw a weird reference to her that seemed to only make sense if she was dead, but then I didn't see... A lot of other such references. I've been on she, Twitter for a few hours. Sorry. She, uh, I was I was all set to go with a hilarious MAGA hat opening. But then I saw that uh, that she died, and I like her. It's, you uh, know, modern technology would have permitted you to put the two together. Queen Elizabeth with a MAGA with hat. A MAGA hat. <laughs> Some people might have <laughs> thought that in bad taste at this people moment. People thought about it. I wasn't, I was, I wasn't going to wear the MAGA hat because I really don't want a video image of me wearing a MAGA hat anymore. Uh, but um, but uh, I couldn't find my MAGA hat anyway. So it's around here somewhere. And that would uh, have been a reference to the Joe Biden MAGA speech? Uh, yeah. You know, we, sh we should say we are taping Thursday for the second week in a row. One downside of that is sometimes you miss things that happen late in the week. Last week we missed uh, Biden's speech happened shortly after we taped. So we haven't yeah. talked about it yet. We may no, talk I about it today. I made a prediction about Biden's speech. I and forget were, what it was. And boy, were you wrong. What did I say? You said, well, he won't tar like all uh, Trump supporters, just Trump. He'll, he'll like separate Trump or something. Well, it's, it's weird. In the speech, he says, uh, uh, not even a majority of Republicans are these horrible MAGA, uh, MAGA Republicans. Uh, and it wasn't clear... It, it, you would think that that would apply to the supporters as well as the office holders. And then the next day he came back and said he was just talking about the office holders. He didn't mean to say that Trump supporters were horrible MAGA people. The people who just voted for Trump were horrible MAGA people. So he, he tried to make my prediction come true. I think that's why he did it. He, he said, to I make, left Mickey. So that, I left, you would, so that you would be vindicated? I left Mickey out there hanging and he wanted yeah. to rescue me. But um, he, he did try to walk it back the next day. Uh, I have. Let me just say, I didn't know about the walk back. And I went back and read the speech today because I thought we might talk about it. I finally read it. And I thought there, I mean, first of all, let me, it's weird in a few ways. I mean, first of all, my main thought as like, you know, speechwriter who never was, but I'm ready to serve if called, uh, is that he should have had a line saying explicitly by MAGA, Republicans, I don't mean everyone who voted for Trump. Right. Here's what I mean. So he 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 says all these things about MAGA Republicans that are highly unflattering. But to read the speech, you'd think he's attributing that to everyone who voted for Trump. If he didn't mean that, he should have said, you know, no, a MAGA Republican is a, is a subset of, of Trump Republicans. Yeah. And it was just a big mistake. And there's no I don't understand any upside to not making the distinction I made. And I see downside and it's just bad for the country. I think it's probably well, it, bad for him, not good for him politically, bad for the country. It's definitely bad for the country. I mean, I guess I have two things. First, there, there are two groups that he roped into the evil MAGA Republicans right. that, uh, that he shouldn't have. One is, as a, as a very good commentator on KCRW said, there are people who wear the MAGA hat and are extremists and do storm the Capitol and do want to overturn the election. But there are a lot of people who wear a MAGA hat and aren't that. Right. And he left, he lumped those in with the bad MAGA hat people. 
and and certainly everybody who voted for Trump he lumped in. But th- then also uh, the people people like Jonah Goldberg are upset because he roped in a lot of normal right. normal moderate people who were who were yeah. anti-abortion and who were uh, you know for voter ID. He couldn't resist he couldn't resist the normal democratic thing of saying all oh, the evil Republicans want uh, to ban abortions and and privatize social security. And those are the people he should be winning. So he, he obviously made a decision. He could either go for the swing voters, the, the Lynn Cheney's of the world, mm-hmm. and try to, they hate Trump, and try to get them to do what Bill Crystal is doing, which is endorse the Democrats, vote for Democratic at least this election. Or he could go for the maximum juicing of the Democratic turnout. And he obviously chose the latter in the process offending some of the Cheney people, anyway, not giving the speech he would give, as you described, which would win over the maximum number of Republican swing voters. Well, I think uh, he's obviously he's insecure about even hanging on the nomination. He understands that there's probably going to be a challenge. And that's hmm. the kind of speech this was. It was a pre, you know, a, a, a pre-nomination speech. So you think he's looking beyond the midterms? Yeah, I think. Oh, he's looking My, beyond the midterms, but he's not looking beyond the Democratic convention. He wants to be the guy at the yeah, Democratic right. National Convention, My, and he's not looking at how you then go on to win the general I, election after that. Yeah, I had two theories. One is that this, this speech was planned months ago. It was planned months ago, but uh, and and it acquired such bureaucratic momentum that he couldn't change it, even when it became clear that the Democrats were turning out in the primaries because of the. Dobbs abortion decision. Right. So he didn't really need to goose them. He could have taken some of them for granted and gone after this extra vote. Well, and and the other theory is he just wants all he wants to do is to bounce the MAGA Senate candidates. That that was the key thing. He's he's not focusing on the House. But go ahead, sir. Well, that would be a uh, you know, I that would be a, an outcome I'd welcome. And I hadn't thought of as being specifically geared to that. I mean, it's weird. You you mentioned the uh, you know the abortion momentum that the Democratic Party has, and maybe that explains why he he kind of shoehorned into this kind of the religious right. Right? There's this line, and it's strange because that's really not what MAGA is per se. I right. mean, here's the way I'd put it: It's like he starts out with their threat, you know, the authoritarian strand, the threat to democracy, election denial, so on. Okay, that's a coherent set of threats you can argue about. And some people in America, I think, represent them. Not all people who voted for Trump, but some people represent them. And at this point, the question is, now is he going to broaden his definition of MAGA to include the, what I would call the ideological part, right? But, but, he, but, but he, he broadens it to ideology, but he never gets to MAGA ideology. In other words, he doesn't mention immigration, protectionism, any of the things that that actually are no. most associated with Trump. And instead, he says, MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to comp- contraception, no right to marry who you love. That's not Trumpism. That's the religious right. right. Well, the, the ideological substance of Trumpism is what he can't admit. He can't admit that there are people who wear the MAGA hat because they're populists who are upset about immigration, upset about trade. They think they've been screwed. And they, they want to protect Social Security, unlike the Jonah Goldberg faction. I don't know if he does, but the, the traditional Republican, uh, you know, mainstream Republican faction questions whether Social Security can be perfected and privatized. The, the MAGA people don't want to do that. He can't acknowledge they exist because they might have appeal. 
he, he might have to actually deal with them on substance. He would much rather ignore them and pretend they don't exist. I don't think, I'm not even sure he acknowledges them. Uh, he has this civil rights, uh, did I get into this last week? This civil rights outlook, which is you're sort of, the world is divided into the good people who want civil rights, as in the 60s, and the bad people who are the haters, okay? There's no middle there. There's no middle of people who said, well, mm -hmm. you know, in the civil rights, there wasn't a middle. But now there is a middle, and, and he, he, he would like to classify them all as haters. It's very Hollywood oh. thinking to, to, to say, not only, are, not only are my opponents wrong, but they're haters, they're evil people. They just don't care, Bob. Well, you know, the thing I'm talking about is kind of in, analogous to that in a way. He's taking uh, people with, with conservative positions on you know, gay marriage, abortion. Uh, when he says no right to privacy, I assume that's co uh, code for Roe versus Wade. So abortion, uh, well, you, well, and he says there is no right to choose. He's talking about abortion. He talks about uh, he talked about love the one you uh, marry right. the one you love to. So he's talking about uh, same sex marriage also. He, oh yeah, he's yeah, definitely yeah, talking yeah. about gay marriage, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's also talking about abortion and to 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 lump those on under the MAGA forces, as he puts it in this speech, is to say not only that they're haters, but that they're enemies of the republic. Okay, what's weird about that, among other things, I mean a couple of things. First of all. Uh, how long ago was it that B Barack Obama was opposed to gay marriage, right? Things right. have moved very fast on that front. And right. the idea that people who are 15 years later to enlightenment than Barack Obama are enemies of the <laughs> republic is a little deranged. Right. And, and the, uh, uh, but then the, 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 the irony on abortion is he's kind of implicitly defining what is now the, the law because the Supreme Court overturned Roe as itself inimical to the republic, right? I mean, I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not saying I support that verdict, but but it's it's you can't call it some small subversive opinion if the Supreme Court, you know, uh, just well, validated he's, it. He's happy to delegitimize the Supreme Court and and make them the enemies uh, of, it's of just, the people. I mean, the speech the, uh, is a mess, and and it's, it's like I, I don't think you know. I, I think Trump is more responsible than he is, or almost anybody maybe, for you know what's happening to the country. But this this does not make things better, and it makes things worse. And just in terms of sheer tribalism and you know proximity to actual civil conflict, I, I don't think it's helping him personally. His his uh, rating in the latest poll I saw was still thirty nine percent, back down to thirty nine percent, but. There is this phenomenon where people will vote for the Democrats even if they don't like Biden. Uh, and that's a phenomenon. There, there are sort of three factors that are the secret GOP cards to play and, uh, and, or, or the, the, that are factors at work. Uh, one is supposedly they, as you go for, from, the, from registered voters to likely voters, supposedly the, the more you get to the actual who is going to turn out the Republicans do better. Now, some people say that that doesn't apply anymore. It's possible. There's uh, all that really counts in the congressional races is the swing district. So it's possible the generic ballot, which is now slightly favorable to the Democrats, uh, will not be favorable to the Democrats in the swing districts. And the third is uh, a lot of people, including my friend John Ellis, think there is a, a hidden Trump vote. People just don't want to talk to the polls you're out there in the rural areas, which is like the heartland of the heartland of the Trump vote. 
And, uh, and some guy calls, you just don't want to deal with them. So there's a, they don't catch enough of those people. Well, if those people be, turn out. There seemed to be some of that, you know, the first time around. Yeah. But, um, I don't think the, the argument is that they have not adequately corrected for that in the polls. Yeah, I mean, it might even be a stronger effect this time because he has uh, been so, well, he's demonized himself, I think, with the election stuff. I mean, he's he's rightly demonized, but yeah. but I would think there would be an even greater reluctance to admit that you're a pollster, uh, to admit to, uh, that you're a Trump supporter to a pollster. I think the one the one thing that might work in Biden's favor is if if, is it possible that people will feel so, if you're a rural Trump voter, you wear a MAGA hat, you, you, you don't, you know, you didn't go to Washington for the January 6th and you don't really care about that. Uh, you wish he, you wish Trump had won. You're now under assault so much that you just, just say, fuck it, I'm going to stay home. You just don't like the abuse. Uh, you don't, you don't feel like being active. I don't know. Could be. You're adding a, a fourth dimension to your model. Beyond my capacity to conceptualize. Fourth dimension meaning time? No, I just no. mean it's a new factor. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm feeling beleaguered on all sides. So I feel like uh I feel like I would just as soon stay home. But um that could I could be projecting, you know? Been known to happen. You want to feel more beleaguered? I can help. No, but go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna I was I was gonna argue that this tweet of yours uh reveals your I mean you profess to not, as I understand it, maybe I'm wrong, you profess to not particularly care if the Republicans take the Senate so long as they have the House, right? Because then there will not be any of the horrible legislation you've Well, they, if they take the House by a small margin, they could pass some horrible legislation. So you admit that you want uh, the oh, Republicans? Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay, well, yeah. then this isn't such a big reveal, I guess. But as long as I've started. Uh, I mean, go ahead. So it was just this, I mean, it was this tweet about uh, Oz and Fetterman. Uh, I guess, I guess Oz was making a big deal of the fact that Fetterman doesn't want to debate in early mm -hmm. September as had once been envisioned. And you write, is Oz setting it up so come October, if Fetterman simply remains coherent through a debate, he's won. Seems a good time for Oz to switch issues. In other words, you you, uh, you fear that Oz is lowering expectations so much for Fetterman that Fetterman well, can't pass him. And I, I was, was just going to say, this betrays uh, uh, an apparently not so secret, but I thought secret desire for Oz to win. That's what I, mean, no, I, I want us to win. This is an Oz supporter talking. When I, I, I want us to win, but I'm criticizing Oz. That wasn't a pro-Oz tweet. That was saying Oz is fucking up. He's, right, uh, but, but it's motivated by your fear that he'll that fuck That was just up. punditry. I was embarrassed by that Man. tweet. That was just straight... That was just straight Jack I know Germond. you too well. I know you too well. No, you do, you don't know me too well because I, as I was typing it, I bet this is just straight punditry. Why are you doing this? The um, I like I have not. I could not bear to look at this uh, video of Fetterman on the stump where he is apparently quite incoherent. But it's obviously not a case that he's not being transparent about his condition. His he obviously cannot debate now. He's, he's Maybe incoherent or, or just slow to articulate. I don't know which, but pe people were like aghast. Uh, I guess and, I should look at one and, of these. Uh, I just I just hate watching people struggle. But maybe he'll be ready in October when he says he's going to debate. I kind of doubt it. If he can't give a speech now, I doubt he'll be ready for debate in October. I mean, recovery can happen pretty fast from strokes, but uh, I mean, yeah, I mean it's 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 all very unfortunate. But um, 
See, that's what I think is not sincere. You mean unfortunate for him, not unfortunate for Mickey. I would like I him to be. I would like him to be all there and recovered and beaten. In an ideal I, I, world, but I don't. You know, you wouldn't beat him because he's a bad person. He doesn't seem like a bad person. I certainly am all in favor of letting off your parents' earnings. So you're one of these old-fashioned tennis fans who doesn't clap when the opponent screws up. When you when your 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 player wins a point by virtue of the other player. I don't clap when the opponent is injured. I may occasionally clap when the opponent screws up. Well, that's not old-fashioned. In olden times, you didn't even clap then. But I'm telling you, I've been watching the U.S. Open, and times have changed. No kidding. Um, the uh, Do you recognize any of the people in the quarterfinals, by the way, in the semifinals? Well, I've been aware of some of them, and that's what's exciting yeah. about I mean, this match tomorrow night between this rising American Tiafo. great story there. I immigrants from yeah, Africa. Yeah. You know the story? I've heard the story, like, Five times on NPR. Well, then why are you acting like he's a complete unknown? You've just uh, heard that the last maybe 24 you, hours. Maybe you weren't listening to NPR, you know, that he'd yeah. be an unknown to you. Uh, well, for people who don't know, his father had a, you know, doing manual labor for some tennis club or something. And he was working so much that he had to kind of live there in somebody's office or something for a while. And so he brought his two sons because I guess it was probably the best housing he could get or something and one of them took to tennis it's you know it's, it's like like um, lee trevino in, in golf i think he was a, a, a clubhouse rat he was a caddy i think but uh um well anyway uh so uh we should have uh we should have the uh a bob's bob trashes a mickey tweet every week you should pick one uh, uh the only uh, one do I have to pick only one? Yes. Um, the uh, anyway, the um, there was a, vi a vicious word name for Fetterman that one of my nickname that one of my readers came up with, but I wouldn't too, bring too it up. Too bad now. to share with us outside the. It's paradigm. too bad to share. With us. I'll share it in the paradigm. That's a good point. Um, there's a special master business uh, mm -hmm. where uh, uh, a Trump appointed judge, a new uh, what somebody he appointed after he lost, uh, got the case of the search and is ruled that there should be a special master to go through like 11,000, 13,000, some thousands of documents to see if which ones are uh, privileged under the attorney-client privilege and the executive privilege. And mainly this, and also this is the what, what really irks anti-Trumpers, said that the Government cannot use this material to get leads and to decide who to interview uh, until the special master is done. Right, right. The judge said they have to suspend the whole investigation. Yeah. That seems kind of a little. No, they don't suspend. They just can't use this material. They can use whatever. They can go on and do whatever they were doing before. And it's, it's you know they they probably have a okay. bunch of interviews that are obvious interviews, but they can't say, well, it says here in this document, I guess that you know this happened and what happened there. Uh, so it, it does it, it delays things, but it doesn't. I think it sort of takes Garland off the hook because in, you know Garland has to decide is he going to indict Trump or not uh, before the election. Now it's it's he can just sort of say, look, this judge delayed it until after the election. I'm sorry, I can't do it, uh, and uh, and it gets delayed until after the election. That's sort of good for Biden because it's, the cloud is still over Trump. Yet it doesn't really mobilize his base, the Trump's base, the way an indictment would. Uh, it might be a, a very good thing for their side. And it's not like, you know, Larry Tribe 
posted it was would go down with Dred Scott and Korematsu as uh, you know a lesson in, in bad law. I, I think that's people are going insane over this. So the, is, the key, yeah, go ahead. The key point is the government, and I don't. They get away with this in drug cases, the way in normal cases, the government says we have a bunch of evidence. Some of some of it's attorney-client privileges. But let us decide what parts are privileged and what parts are not. We have a special taint team, and we have this team. It'll go through it, and 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 that's going to be the, the you know the, the the at least the judgment unless you challenge it. How do they get away with that? They're the government on one side. They're not a neutral arbiter. Uh, obviously, there ideally there should be a neutral person deciding what's privileged or not. But they get away with it in normal cases. The judge said this is an extraordinary case. They're not going to you know I'm not going to let this happen here. She may not have had very good legal grounds for doing it, but it makes a certain sense. Mm-hmm. A funny thing about this is the, uh, the there's a separate use of these documents, aside from the Justice Department's investigation into possible criminal conduct by Trump, which is there's a, a national intelligence investigation to see if there are actual threats, live threats to security, like is there somebody who's compromised and we need to deal with it right away? And the judge said that they can continue to use all the documents untrammeled Uh so somebody in the government is looking at them all and, and making yeah. use well, of them. That, and that makes common sense, too, because that's there's urgency there. I mean, if there's a source you have to extract from a foreign country, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that has emerging. There's not that much urgency in indicting Trump, aside from the political urgency of doing it before the election, if that's what you want to do. I mean, they can, mm -hmm. they can indict him after the election. Uh, the, it, uh, he's He doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I mean, do you agree, though, it could be, very consequential in terms of criminality. I mean, not so much in the handling of the documents. I mean, that that's one criminal issue. And so far as we know, the only one they're pursuing, but there've always been people who thought they were also, there was also a little bit of a fishing expedition, hoping to come up with January 6th relevant stuff. That kind of stuff could now be declared permanently off limits for purposes of Justice Department investigation, right? Well, if, yeah, I mean, presumably the special master is gonna play it straight. The special master has to be agreed to by both sides. There's only one person I decided who who fills the bill. Who is, is the you? one man? Who is the man? One man who's trusted by everybody in America. Oh me! I thought you meant you, but you mean no. me. Who? No. Who? Kenneth Feinberg. Who's Kenneth Feinberg? Kenneth Feinberg is this lawyer who who was who was always called in to be. He was the special master who decided oh. what all the 9/11 victims. Yeah, were yeah. compensated for, and he seems. Everybody says he plays it straight. He, he works hard. He goes by the facts. He, he seems to be an all-around good guy, and he, he's the. Uh, okay, but wait. Here's he's what the I'm new saying. Father Hesper. Here's what I'm saying. Even a Father Hesburgh, uh or a Kenneth Feinberg, could uh, do a good job. In terms of, I mean, I, I gather their only job is to say, would this violate executive privilege? Would this violate attorney-client privilege? If the answer is yes to either, then they move those documents out of the, away from the Justice Department right. scrutiny forever. Well, those documents, uh, I assume, are exactly the kinds of documents we would be most likely to have January 6th stuff well, on. Well, if, if they have a privilege, they have a privilege. Maybe there shouldn't be a privilege. But, okay, but, yeah. but my, my point is this could uh, shield evidence of actual January 6th criminal conduct from the Justice Department's view, even if the special master plays it down the middle. That's my point. Yes, it could. And, okay. and why would Trump keep that evidence lying around his... Bedroom, though. Seems Trump? to me he would. Trump? 
I thought Trump, this man Trump, is a definition of incompetence and sloppiness. Trump, Are you kidding? Trump, Trump had the solution to the net to this whole problem. I mean, yeah. it seems to me you you used to be able to just destroy the documents. I mean, why not? You can declassify things. You can classify things. Why not say this thing should be destroyed? We don't want any evidence of it. That seems to be a decision the president should be able to make. This is so toxic. It has the name of a somebody who, if it ever got out, they'd be killed. We're gonna, I'm going to destroy this. I'm going to burn it. You, you know, so Trump, his solution was to eat the documents. That was that's the solution to the January 6 documents. He actually ate. He actually ate. He them? actually ate some documents. I thought he flushed <laughs> them down the toilet. I think he did that too. <laughs> but, Not um, the same documents. It would. It no. was one or the other. Yeah, but um, so I mean, he he had. I thought he had the right idea. I mean, I, I, as you know, I think much too much is preserved. Much too much is goes to the historians. Fuck the historians. They don't need to know everything. We, the, the historians got got uh, you know spoiled by the Nixon taping machine. They, they figure, well, we heard everything Nixon said, so we should hear everything every president says. Why? You don't have to do that. I want a president who can who can take care of business, not somebody who's who's uh, doing a show for historians of the future. Uh, okay. Anyway, the, anyway, uh, I li- I, th- I hope that. Uh... You know, fuck the historians. What is it? They, what's your quote? That's. I just think it's a quote that fuck should be historian. connected to your name. Fuck, fuck the historians. The historian. What's the rest? It was. It was. They don't deserve to know everything or something. I don't know. It's, it's on. Who it's cares on, if ta- they it's know. on tape, Bob. It's. I know. If uh, I, it's, it's unless you unless you eat the tape, unless you eat the tape, it'll be or flush it down. The tape. It'll be public. Um, the uh, the the you know the I I don't quite know about executive privilege. There's this argument that. Uh, executive privilege expires when Trump leaves office, so that if uh, his successor decides, you know, there isn't any more privilege, all his aides, whatever they said to him, is exposed. Well, if the point is to get aides to give their their advice in confidence, knowing that, you know, it will never be exposed, saying, well, it can be exposed three years later when the guy's opponent takes office, doesn't really protect them. So, if the policy-wise, you would think if the privilege should exist, it should survive Trump leaving office. I mean, the, the example I use is there is a fame, there in this, um, there's a, there was a book about the Nixon administration and Nixon wanted to know if uh, somebody who he liked, he could appoint to secretary of the Navy because the guy was an alcoholic. And so he called up somebody and said, you know, so-and-so is an alcoholic. Can I appoint him secretary of the Navy? Okay, that's not something you want in on the permanent record, right? You want to do that in private. And he was sure, oh, no, anybody can do that job. We had John Warner in that job. Don't worry. It'll be fine. But uh, uh, that's a sort of inquiry which any any good manager does that all the time. You know, that Mickey Kaus, you know, I think he's gone a little crazy, you know. Uh, well, I mean. Something's wrong with him. You, you, know, don't want that, you don't want that public, even 10 years from now. Savvy managers, administrators, executives, you know, reserve certain kinds of conversations for the phone for that reason. They don't they don't email it. Right. But now email is sort of so taken over from the phone that uh, it, it seems like the phone is only reserved for things you don't have recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems it seems like it, it should be. You should be able to have a. Uh, some sort of conversation that is not re- recoverable in litigation. I mean, of course, uh, the whole executive privilege thing, Eisenhower just invented that. And uh, I guess some judges bought it or something. It's not like it's a deeply entrenched part of America's tradition. Right, right. 
And it's That's like, true. is it really essential to, I guess his argument Neither. was it's uh, vital to the separation of, of power in that is well, I guess that must be the argument. I, I don't but. know. It, it, it seems to me it's vi it, it, it's what I said. It's vital to the to being an executive. I, I said the same thing about Hillary. Hillary should should have been able to have some sort of private conversation on email mm -hmm. too, if that's the dominant mode of discourse. You're right. She could have had it on the phone, but obviously, you know, how long can you talk to Sidney Blumenthal on the phone, Bob? I mean, you've probably had that experience. I've never talked to you, you, you probably you probably want to communicate all, via email all in the halls of... um, uh, anyway um uh the the other thing is Eisenhower you know the previous presidents didn't have to deal with this fucking records act right where everything mm -hmm. is now the property of the government and you have to if you if you send an email you have to take steps to preserve it if it's about to be erased you have to take affirmative steps to preserve it for the fucking historians that seems crazy. So if, uh, it, if it is like a phone call that it won't be discovered, you have to take extra steps to discover it to make it sure it can be discovered by, you know, when John Beecher marks the history of the Biden administration, he has to have your, your emails, Bob. Have I been, I've been quiet for too long. You're trying to get me to, you're trying <laughs> to trigger me with the mention of his name. Nice try. No, I leave all judicial questions to you. So no, I, I um, uh, and Mickey has spoken. No, I, anyway, I, I, it just seems like this is a now, bump in the road and maybe good for Garland. Now, here's a question, though. Here's a legal question. So Steve Bannon uh, surrendered to authorities. The uh, It seems as if, uh, well, we don't know because of the indictment is sealed. And my question is, why is the indictment sealed? What seems to have happened is, I gather, the state of New York is going to prosecute him for the thing that, Trump pardoned him of the federal version yes, of I think that's Okay, so why is the indictment sealed for starters? Why don't we know that for sure? I don't understand that. So you're well, anyway, this is his, this is his uh, alleged fraud of like uh getting people to send him and his alleged co-conspirator uh tons of money to build a wall that he had no intention of building and they just kept the money themselves. I thought they did build a bit of a wall. Did they? I don't I know. know. I think but, they may have promised that all the money would go to the wall and all the money did not go to the wall. I remember even the publicly available evidence when this first came up was pretty damning. It looked like they were had a uh pretty pretty playing pretty fast and loose with the money. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, we'll see. I I agree with you, but let him put on his defense. I mean, um, what? So he could go. So, but it's interesting. So Bannon could wind up in actual prison for years and years. It's looking like that, right? Because I really think they may have a strong case. That would be uh, wild. That would be wild. Uh, Our thoughts uh, and prayers would go out. Your 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 guess is as good as mine on that. Um, you're the one who's, who is a religious follower of his podcast. Not so much lately, but uh, yeah, pre pre election, it was a very valuable resource because he was he was the epicenter. I'm telling you, man, he was the prime mover. His pod of election denialism. His, his podcast will be even. War room will be even bigger when he does it from his prison cell. War room pandemic. It may have changed the intro. See, I didn't even know. That's how long it's been since I was. <laughs> uh, the uh, meanwhile, we're um, we're ignoring the best story of the week. Liz Truss? No. No. What? What? Mr. Torres in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, this veteran investigative reporter, beloved uh, investigative reporter, was stabbed to death outside his home. What a great story, Mickey. Right. 
he was stabbed by the politician he had just exposed. The politician did not hire a hitman. The politician went to the guy's house, apparently, this is the charge, and stabbed him himself. He didn't? No, he eliminated the middleman. If he didn't hire a hitman, he is not fit for public service. He took took direct action. Uh, He's now been arrested, I believe. And rightly so. And he shouldn't be reelected either. And he's a Democrat who, who donated to the Democratic candidate for Senate in a very closely, Hmm. uh, closely, uh, very close election for Senate that could determine control of the Senate. I doubt that that it'll have effect. But so wait, what office did he hold? He was like, there's some some crazy Las Vegas office board of administrators, or he Mm -hmm. he he had been defeated for re-election in part because of this guy's reporting. Mm. Yeah, he 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 had a toxic workplace. He supposedly had an affair (laughs) with a staffer. You know, I'm, et cetera, guessing et cetera. There, I'm guessing there may have been a workplace <laughs> if he was in charge he, of it. He had a temper, Bob. What can I say? The guy had a, temper. a little mercurial. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, uh, so uh, we shouldn't laugh because the guy is no. I'm. I the guy even, is dead. No, but, um, I can't believe I missed this story. And I'm sorry if I'm making light of it. It's because I didn't and, have time. To, because the, the press. It happened just yesterday, and the press. Mm. The press is not eager to play up. They're certainly not eager to play up the fact that he's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also this story of a judge. Uh, where was it? New Mexico or something? Some county commissioner was. Uh, I guess they were yanked out of office because they violated this constitutional principle that if you participate in an inter- insurrection oh, that was- after taking an oath to you know an oath of public office to be loyal to the country, it has to be that it can't. They they can't remove you from office under this clause. I think for uh, for I didn't just, know that. No, I think that's the deal. the The principle is that wait, you took an oath before, and now you violated it by participating in insurrection. So no, you can't be in. I thought it was under the fifth Fourteenth Amendment, and I thought they just said if you're in an insurrection, you cannot. Have, a, have an office anywhere in the United States. But anyway. I think there is that weird I, qualification. I, I, I think it, um, this is a, this is a leader of Cowboys for Trump who went into the, it was uh, convicted, I think, of being in the Capitol, but not doing any violence. And and they, I think it's, it seemed more likely that this decision would be overturned than it would, than it would be extended to apply to Trump. Oh really? But like, like I say, if they, if there was well, a clear non-overreaching, if I'm right, reason, it doesn't. If I'm right, oh no, it does apply to Trump. If I'm right, because he had taken the oath of office. Yeah. Yeah, but, he, he, but again, they didn't. They didn't come up with the goods on on the January sixth commission that would would uh, you know provide the evidence to invoke this clause. That's the problem. I'd be happy to get rid of Trump if he, if you could say if Trump said you know take the Capitol, stop this vote, fine. Bounce him uh, under the 14th Amendment, but they didn't have that. Mm. Maybe it's in these documents that they that they won't be able to look at because Kenneth Feinberg will exactly. rule the privilege. Exactly. Uh, but it, because it's Kenneth Feinberg, everybody will go along with it. So, uh, um, Ukraine is the only thing I have left. Okay, so Ukraine. I mean, we should, if we have time, we can talk a little about Liz Truss, new prime minister. So the queen dies right after anointing Liz Truss. It just she, occurred to me. And you. she appeared Maybe. in person. She like was standing upright. Well, also she, she was on and, vacation in Scotland. So she travels, you know, I mean. If she didn't travel. She, she made Truss travel. 
No, but it, she, at the beginning of her vacation, the queen right. was on vacation in Scotland. But so she's, it, sta she's standing upright, and then three days later, she's dead. It's weird. Hmm. Um, go ahead, sorry. Anyway, you know, so I didn't, I, I didn't know about the death until we started taping. Let me say, first of all, she's always struck me as very impressive. I mean, you know, you don't choose to be a queen. And a lot of people, I imagine it's going to be increasingly hard to find somebody who does a good job of this, judging by the way the rest of her family behaves. But, you know, you're born and they say, you got this weird shit and you got to do all this shit. And she did it for like close to a century. Uh you know, pretty gracefully and flawlessly. I give her I'm, credit. I can't tell if I'm, I really like the queen or I really like Helen Mirren, but uh, either <laughs> I like one. I like the queen herself. Uh, I, I really, I, 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 I think. I, I, thought, I, 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 thought, I thought the speech she gave during COVID, was that it? It was mm -hmm. very good and very perfectly pitched. Exactly why you want a queen. Um, so I'm for her, yes. Uh, now Liz Truss, on the other hand, so you had an election where one candidate said, wait a second, Britain's got runaway inflation, worse than the inflation in any comparable country. Now is a terrible time for a tax cut. You got one candidate who says, oh, fuck it, let's have a tax cut. Guess who wins? Liz Truss. The, uh, the, he said, well, let's have a tax cut. The Tories seem hopeless. I mean, they, is, they, uh, on, on, not that I care about immigration, Bob, but uh, they've you know, they, 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 the number one animating issue for Brexit was immigration. People, there was too much of it. They wanted to get control of their borders. So Boris Johnson gets them out of, of, of the European Union. They have Brexit. And then the Tories, uh, open the floodgates to immigration, not from the EU, but for the rest of the world. So immigration numbers are going to be Wait, did even they? much higher. Yeah, totally. They totally, they totally what, what fucked up on the world. And how did they do that? Well, every every part that's India mainly, every part that's not part of the e EU. Uh, well, because India was part of the empire, there's a natural channel there. Okay. Indians are Indians are in demand all over the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that that's so the Arabs obvious and example. Africans, they continue to keep out. No, I think they let in everybody. I think they're. I think they're. They, 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 immigration levels are are now increasing. They're slated to increase. Visas are increasing. Uh, the, the whole, the whole, and the restrictionist impulse of Brexit has been completely reversed, and there doesn't seem to be a political price to pay for it. Uh, it's really weird. You would think Nigel Farage would come charging in and start a third party that that would, uh, you know, carve out a part of each of the other two parties. Well, uh, and that may happen, but it hasn't happened yet. At some point, doesn't this become a challenge to your thesis that Brexit was all about immigration? I guess. Uh, I mean, but there are polls showing that it was all about immigration. There, there's a very good, uh, is it Matt Goodwin? There's a huge, a long substack from him where he cites chapter and verse mm. uh, where he says immigration was by far the leading cause of Brexit. I don't know, but at least some component of this inflation is probably a consequence of Brexit. So I would say the conservatives have some explaining to do on the. On Brit Britain does seem to have worse inflation than other countries. Yeah, I, and you would expect exactly that when they drop out of a trade union that that had given them preferential trade rate. Trade. Is it true? Is it? Do they have worse inflation than Italy? That's hard to believe. I think they have the but, worst of any of the G10 or G11 or whatever it is okay. now. And and uh, I don't know about Italy, but uh, it's bad. And she's also going to increase government spending 
to keep energy prices to consumers down. So she's increasing government spending, cutting taxes. We'll see how that works out inflation-wise. Yeah. Um, um, the other thing about her is she's a, you know, a, 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 a hawk of almost, uh, you know, horrific proportions. Epic proportions. The, uh, well, that's, no, that's no difference from Johnson. The, uh, oh, but yeah, but Johnson, yeah, well, of course it may not, yeah. Yeah, no, Johnson was certainly playing that in Ukraine and she's playing it in Ukraine and who knows I remember, what any of them really believe. All I remember about her is she had some negotiation with Lavrov or somebody where she demanded that Russia do something that they'd already done. And it just, she was just oh, very she, bad. She was very, of, very badly briefed and the R Russians were sort of laughing at her. She's done a couple of things like that. Uh, I'm not sure things are going to work out well for her, but um, so on Ukraine, speaking of Ukraine, um, things seem to be actually happening there. I haven't checked in since uh, this morning. But so first of all, uh, as of last week, the big story was this counteroffensive down south around Kherson. I, it's so hard to tell exactly what's going on there. It seems to me it hasn't gone well for the Ukrainians. They've lost significant men and material and uh, haven't and and have gained some ground, but nobody can call this a smashing success. But meanwhile, up north, uh, around Kharkiv, they also launched a counteroffensive some days after the first counteroffensive started, and there things are going better. And it's so much better that some people are saying maybe Kherson was a feint, which would explain, I got to say, why they talked about it for weeks on end before doing it. Normally, if, you, if you're going to a stage an attack, you don't spend the preceding weeks informing the enemy that you're going to do it. It was kind of weird how much they talked about it. Somebody on this podcast said this two weeks ago uh, after, would, after, 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 be, re, after reading it in, in the press. So Would that be you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a good that was a good call. If so, I mean, I don't know that it's true though, because it has been. I think it's been really. I think they hoped for success in Kherson. Now, it may be that they were playing it both ways. The main event was going to be Kharkiv in any event. Uh, that's possible, but I think they've run into real resistance in Kherson. Doesn't mean the game is over. Uh, I mean, the, the the Russians haven't moved even when they've been successful in Donbass at breakneck speed. Uh, so could work out, but they're taking real losses. And and, and, and apparently uh, the Wall Street Journal reported that they were kind of suspending operations in Kyrgyzstan. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think that the Institute for War would participate in a Ukrainian disinformation uh, campaign by hyping the... Uh, counteroffensive in the south when really it was in the north mickey institute for the study of war oh sorry don't attribute an ideological okay. inclination to the sorry. Okay. think tank okay okay they're neutral on the war issue okay neutral on the war issue um, um i that's a good question you know it's not crazy to think that they might have a direct pipeline to the darkest recesses no of the deep state in ukraine um it's not crazy uh but okay. but you know yeah, could be. It's not crazy. Oh. I'm not endorsing it. Uh, I attribute it to you unless it turns out to be vindicated, in which yeah. case I'm on board. Okay. But but anyway, on this Kharkiv thing, it's interesting because, you know, I think we tend to think of there being three fronts, kind of. There's Kharkiv up north, Kherson in the south, and then the Donbass in the east. But Kharkiv is 
you know, kind of easterly. And this could have implications for the fight in the Donbass because so they've made this kind of eastward lurch and gained real ground, the Ukrainians. Um, and apparently there is this key hub, uh, the town of Kupiansk. And by one account, if they can get, if they can stabilize things, control enough ground, I don't think they're quite there yet, but where they're within uh, easy artillery range of Kupiansk, you know, that is a, a, at least now a vital logistics hub for stuff that heads south toward the Donbass. And if they can, uh, apparently even sustained artillery access could kind of greatly complicate that for the Russians, uh, which would, you know, mean that Izum, I don't know if you remember Izum, we talked about it quite a bit at the beginning. It was a much contested town. And now I gather that, I mean, let me back up. So there's these, the Russians have pretty much taken all of Luhansk, one of the two big provinces that Putin set out as kind of central to his war aims. Donetsk, Donetsk there's still a couple of cities that, that they aim to get, the Russians aim to get. Those cities face threats from kind of south, east, north, but they've held them off. And I think if they could cut off uh, supplies to Azum, that would significantly relieve pressure on this those. Is, this is bad for you because it means the Russians will not get enough to start a negotiation. Well, here's the irony is, you know, if you if you ask what do I think is most conducive to a peace settlement in terms of how its implications for the political domestic politics of the two sides, I would have said Ukrainians take back Kherson, push the Russians over the river. Meanwhile, the Russians take the risk of Donetsk. Putin can say, I did what I said I'd do. The Ukrainians said, see, we kicked your ass and we can push back. I would say, I would think that, that as you're suggesting, yeah, that's what would be uh, ripe conditions for peace settlement. This is this, and we could wind up with the opposite of that. Now, right. we're a long way from uh, this, what's happening around Kharkiv, really thwarting the aspirations of the Russians in in the Donbass, because, you know, in a way, it reminds me of there was this big uh, breakthrough around uh, uh, Papazna that the Russians made in the east. And right after it happened, everyone was, oh, my God, it's it's like the barbarians at their gate. Next stop, I think it's Bakhmut was this town on the way to those other two cities. They still haven't taken that town. It just it looked like an, an inexorable success. And it just got stopped in its tracks. Well, and and right now the, the the Ukrainians have enjoyed that enjoyed that kind of early success. They've definitely they seem to have taken important towns, but they're not to the finish line. You, and the Russians have a lot of a lot of fun. You really need to have a big map of Ukraine and a pointer. Uh, it's hard it's hard to find. I, I did find a good Twitter thread that had that. Uh, no, you only have to have it behind you as we do the podcast. The, um, the, what about this nuclear, this U Ukrainian official saying we might have a limited nuclear war? Was that just an attempt to scare people about the Russians, or is it that the Ukrainians are actually making enough progress to back the Russians up against the wall where they would use tactical nukes? I think, I think Putin's a long way from flirting with resorting to tactical nuclear weapons. Okay. I, I, uh, I mean, it's something to keep in mind because, uh, 
significant. You know, anything that would be defined as a loss is, you know, pretty much politically unacceptable to him. And I assume he'd go to some kinds of extremes to prevent that. And, and that's why this war could go on a long, long time. And, well, I've said this a lot, but ultimately, I think it may come down to who's got the most human beings to dispose of. And Russia wins that contest. They got a lot more people. And that's why. I worry at the, about the magnitude of casualties you're hearing about the Ukrainians around Kherson. The Washington Post did a piece where they, uh, their reporter actually visited a hospital that the wounded were being evacuated to. And, um, you know, they were describing it as, as like we lose five for every one they lose or something. And, and, and uh, you know, when you're on the offense, it can be that bad. And so we'll see. Um. Uh, that's not very optimistic note to end this, Bob. No, I mean, they still could succeed in Kherson. It depends on what they're willing to commit to it. But I worry that, you know, they may lose sight of the long term. But, of course, they feel pressure to demonstrate success now so that they don't lose the Western right. support. Right. Um, uh, have we talked for an hour? Close enough. I mean, I think it's about 50 minutes. Okay. Um. um well, I do have, I have a bunch of stuff for the parrot room, so we can deal with one of them now if you want. Well, why don't you uh, list them? We'll get that out of the way. Oh, do, you, do you still read Drudge? That's, that's just an easy one. I have never read Drudge. Really? I mean, I've seen the site. I've okay. never been somebody who went to Drudge every day. God, I, I've been going to Drudge every day for 10 years. And there, he, that he explains has gotten, a lot. He's gotten very, uh, well, he's... He's very good at finding obscure stories, especially in the British press, but from all over the world. And uh, he's gone progressively. First, he was anti. First, he was pro Jared, anti Bannon. Then he turned against Jared and Trump. Now he's really anti Trump and really sort of hyping the the uh, the Garland investigation, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and there's a, been a rumor for years that he doesn't do it anymore. And I have resisted that thought because the details aside from the Trump headline stuff the details are very drudgy still there's a lot of stuff about the Pope a lot of stuff about abortion no these are his fetishes I'm guessing uh, that if you have his revenue you can hire people who are capable of selecting items about the Pope but, and that, abortion, but that's but. not that's not the rumor the rumor is that it's being done by his father <laughs> I bet his father could handle that uh, his father probably could handle it but um uh anyway it's um it's 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 I, I'm still clinging to the idea that he does it himself. The um and that that brings up one 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 piece related to the search that uh, one thread that we didn't discuss, which is you know the Washington Post early on produced a story saying these were nuclear secrets, okay, mm -hmm. uh, and and now they've they, they then that wasn't picked up by anybody else. Now they've you know weeks later they come up with a second story that. There was one document that involved nuclear defenses. Mm -hmm. It wasn't clear that that involved which company has them having nuclear weapons. I guess it means that. I mean, there were there were two two senses in which two two points in the piece where the word nuclear was mentioned. One just said nuclear defenses, and the other did mention nuclear weapons. I assume as a retaliation, but it, it just all seemed incredibly carefully worded. 
And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. I didn't. Uh, no, I mean, I was skeptical of the original nuclear thing. It seemed to, it sounded, as I said at the time, it sounded to me like they just thought, well, what's the, you know, most ominous sounding thing that we think is in the documents or knows in the, you know, and the word nuclear, that freaks people out. And so I've been well, a skeptic all along, but I, I, I wasn't aware of this. The, the, the uh, as Matt Iglesias said, uh, it would be terrible if the world learned that Israel had nuclear weapons. Um, uh, so there could be a secret like that, which is like an open secret. Yeah. Or it could be a real secret. Uh, you would think that if, you know, given the people he hangs out with in Florida, you would think the country would be Israel. But maybe not. Uh, the, maybe, uh, maybe you can steer me to this piece and I'll, we can talk about this in the parrot room. Just will, Google Washington Post nuclear Mar-a-Lago Dossi. It's always a Josh Dossi piece. Mm -hmm. um, and it also shows, I, I found it very hard to figure out how this leak could not have come from Garland's team. So this idea, you know, indirectly maybe through a cutout, but mm -hmm. they're the ones that have the documents. So if the word of the documents comes out, it's got to come from the Justice Department. So this theory that, oh, Garland never leaks, uh, you know, he's scrupulously playing it by the book, which which uh, was involved in this special master thing, because she said, you know, one, 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 of, one of the things that, mm. one of the factors she cited was that it might leak. Uh, that's a bit of evidence, I mean, okay, for what that's worth. Uh, so, Mickey, anyway. in eight minutes, in eight minutes, two Zoom calls start in the house I'm in okay. that are using the router I'm using. So we should talk about what's okay. going on in the parrot room, if we don't want to suffer an acute bandwidth shortage. Okay. Uh, you go first. I always go first. Um, oh, God. We already talked about the Biden. Oh, you know, there's an interesting angle on the Biden speech. Uh, Edward Wong in the New York Times wrote an interesting piece connecting that to Biden's foreign policy that I want to I want to talk about. Um, the uh, There's a, a piece about outer space I want to talk about. Uh, that it, that was in War on the Rocks, uh, and um, I want to I want to complain a little bit about the Ukraine war coverage in our main newspapers, as is my want. And I want to ask the question: Where is today's Bernard Trainer? Uh, reference um, that only the only older people right, get, really. Uh, if them, not many people could tell you offhand who Bernard Trainer. Uh, probably is. He's probably still alive, but he's no longer writing the New York Times. Um, the, uh, I don't know, this weirdo Israel law, I guess, is not going to take effect after all, where you have to, if you're like a foreigner and you visit the occupied territories, you have to report any romantic relationship you enter into. I think they're pulling that back in the face of massive blowback, but... Was it based on what? It, I did I something happen? Are they? Are they? Is it a response to one particular incident? I don't know. It's yeah. I, I. It's it's deeply puzzling because the blowback was so predictable, and they seem responsive to the blowback. I, I don't. I don't get it. Yeah. But uh, um, okay. the uh, uh, so you do a few and uh, okay. Um, uh, th there was a story that the Washington Post is. This is left over from last week that the Washington Post is going broke. Mm -hmm. They want to branch out. It seems to me there's an obvious way they should branch out. Uh, the um, uh, There's a, 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 a suicide related, to maybe maybe not related to the Epstein case of Mark Middleton in Arkansas. Uh, we can talk about, we can talk about 
do plants have consciousness? Oh, yeah. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about this Chris Caldwell book, which sort of blames all of all of the co- problems with modern liberalism on passing the Civil Rights Act, uh, which seems a little monocausal to me. But um, Yeah, I think we talked about that once. I have, okay, I then been... I, I have other things then, if that's already been gone over. There was, a, there was an article attacking him for this or criticizing. Okay. The, uh, and we could talk a little bit more about AI. There was another, another interesting story on the, you know, is AI taking over the world? Um, um, and there's the lab leak. And if we really get desperate, we can talk about Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. Well, we promised to talk about that at one week and failed. So maybe we should. Uh, well, I finally learned what it's all about. Got to the bottom of it? No, I just read a good article on it. So. Okay, well, that's a lot of stuff. And the place to find it is patreon.com slash parrot room. And does the parrot have a few words for us, Mickey? We'll get to the bottom of it. We'll get to the bottom of it. Couldn't have said it better. So so we will... uh, so we think that next week will be Friday again, so far as we know. I mean, yes. who knows? Maybe we'll just start loving this Thursday thing. We think next week will be Friday again, uh, but it's Thursday for now. And also, smash the like button, rate and review, and we'll see you in the parrot room.